HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, available on the internet at hearstranch.com. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Friends, too. 
Joining me today as guest host and next week as well is the illustrious Travis Hayden. Hello. Welcome. It's good to be back again. Yes. From uh, uh, our label International. Uh, Big Beat, I Heart Comics, Party Dude. Hey, fr- you. Fr- 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 friend of the cause, if you will. How are you doing today? I'm great. It's good to be back in here. Beautiful day. Gorgeous. Gorgeous day. The, the type of day that New Yorkers live for. Um, and starting off our show today is another... We could say part of the cause, friend of, friend of the cause, friend of the family, right? We have, I'm going to nail this, Gwen Sh- Shantz. Yes. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. Of uh, Brooklyn Grange. Welcome back to, how many times have you been on Heritage Radio? Um, I think this is my third or fourth time. Oh. I, I figured. Not a million times, but a few. So, oh. I thought, you, uh, someone like you and how close you are to Roberta's and everything, I figured you'd be on here like once a month. I've been around, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, so before we talk about your new project, which is the Hayseeds Big City Farm Supply, let's talk about the first big project that you did that brought uh, notoriety to the city, and that is putting a how big of a garden on a rooftop? One acre rooftop farm. Could, big. For those of us who live in you know uh, four hundred square foot apartments, break us down what an acre is. It's forty thousand square feet, so it would be a pretty big apartment and it's a pretty big farm for new york city it's it's the biggest rooftop farm in the world and in the world it's yes it is wow. and it's one of the biggest uh farms in new york city step us back what what is the brooklyn grange all in right. the thesis mission statement all right here's an overview brooklyn <laughs> grange is a one acre rooftop farm um we kind of differ from most urban farms and gardens and that we're actually a for-profit commercial business so boom boom so growing green yeah exactly we're trying to make some money and support ourselves off of urban farming and we're not planning on getting rich off of it necessarily but we make a decent wage for ourselves and we're doing something good for the city we're growing fresh food there's no shame in that there's no shame there's no No. downside so no i think we're into it it's funny i think there's this uh common ethos in the food world, the music world, the art world at, at this level where you got to be scraping by and scrapping and, you know, for charity, things like that. And uh, the whole idea of pulling a profit or getting paid for the work that you do sort of poo-pooed on. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to see where a project like Book and Grange could have very easily been, you know, not-for-profit, charity, community-based, but it's nice, you know? It's, yeah, it's a business. Some, exactly. And because we're a corporate entity in a business we're self-sustaining and we don't need to get grant money we don't need to get funding for the from the city or from any other government and uh we make money for ourselves we create jobs we're creating economic activity so it's it's really a win-win how many people work for you um there are only four of us that are working full-time so far but as we grow we're planning on hiring more and more people and who are you selling selling to? Mainly restaurants, just customers on an individual basis, grocery yeah, stores? All, all of the above. We sell about half of our food to restaurants in Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan. And then we also have a farmer's market on Saturdays and Wednesdays. And, and where is that? One of them is in Williamsburg on Saturdays. That's the Schmorgisburg market. Right. Um, Love it. It's, it's back, great. right? It's back. Yeah, it just started last weekend. Uh, I was. Uh, oh, congratulations to our friend Chris and Julia who got married in Austin. Which is the only reason why I missed the first return of the Smorgasburg. But probably one of my favorite things to add to the Williamsburg weekend is Smorgasburg. Yeah, it's great. It's right on the riverfront, as you know. And there's the ferry stop right there. It's really just a beautiful place to hang out on a Saturday, get some good food, and buy some vegetables from ha- us. Have you found that the ferry added more people this, this time around? I mean, it was Easter weekend, so it was a little weird. Yeah, this weekend was weird for us because it's early in the season, too. It's only April, so right. we, don't, we don't have a ton of stuff to sell yet. Um, but it was pretty busy. It was a beautiful day yesterday or on Saturday, and um, it's been really clear. A little bit windy. But, Super windy. But that's okay. Uh, when did you, I want to go even further back. What was the original idea, and how does one go about um, coming up with the overall vision for an acre farm in New York City and the shortened version of how it actually happened. Because right. I think you had a little bit of uh, legal 
issues or getting permits and things like that? Um, yeah, it's tricky because what we're doing here is the farm kind of was the first thing of its kind in New York City. And there are green roofs out there, and those are just rooftops with plants growing on them. And then there's community farms and community gardens and all sorts of urban farming projects. But we were the first to kind of bring the two together on this scale. Back in 2009, my business partner, Ben Flanner, founded the Eagle Street Rooftop Farm, which oh, is right. in Greenpoint. Right, right, right. Smaller. Yeah, it's the exact same thing, but it's much smaller. It's only 6,000 square feet. So it's a fraction of the size. Which is still... Still a big apartment. Yeah, that's still a big apartment. <laughs> but That's at least two and a half bathrooms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Serious. Um, and that's a serious farm, too. It's great. It's a nonprofit. They grow a lot of food. They have educational programs. It's beautiful. They've got chickens and bees and all sorts of stuff. Um, so, But that was kind of a test project for Ben. And he was the one who kind of originally conceived of using a green roof and growing food and trying to take advantage of unutilized rooftop, state, rooftop space in New York City uh, to grow vegetables. Um, that's awesome. Do you do, chick- do you do chickens and bees? We do. There was a big article in on the in the Times two weeks ago about uh, raising your own eggs and chickens and things like that. I missed that one. The lovely Kathy Irway was quoted in it because nice. she does, uh, I think, chickens on top of the um, At six, point? six point. Yeah, yeah. She just gave us some kegs full of hops too, and by kegs full of hops, I mean keg barrels that have been cut in half, filled with dirt, and then hops are growing out of them. And they couldn't keep them at the roof over there. I guess they're doing some work or something. So the, she just gave them to our farm. So you're going to be growing hops? Yeah, we'll have some hops this year. Does that mean you can make grow local hops or local made beer? Yeah. Oh, my God. Let's get we some. We love that. Let's get some. Let's get some. <laughs> um, so what's on the plan for the Grange for this season? What do you got growing? What's going on? Can you talk us through? Uh, because I'm, I'm, I know there's the list. There's always a list of like what months are good for each produce. But can you tell us like what the highlights of each month of the summer is going to bring us? Um, yes. The highlight this part of the year is greens. We've got a lot of really beautiful dandelion and chicory, if you like bitter greens mm. and fancy salad greens. Mm-hmm. Um, Fa- mm-hmm. Fancy. Fancy. Uh, do you sell a fancy salad green mix? We do. Mix fancy greens? Yeah. Mix fancy greens. We should call them that. Yeah, it was like a little top hat and a cane. <laughs> <laughs> Monocle. Hey, you're welcome. That's a free one. It's a free one. <laughs> Thanks, Darren. Yeah. Um... Pretty soon we're going to have turnips and radishes, which people really love this time of year. They get really sweet because it's still cold outside. Mm. Um, And then later in the season we get our tomatoes and peppers and carrots and squash and cucumbers, all the kind of fun, fruity stuff that people are really into. Um, The the farm stand tends to get a little bit more colorful around July and August. It's so nice. And uh, how much... What's the ratio of you know of what you can grow versus what you can sell? Is it are you at a hundred percent or you know what what happens there? We are totally at capacity. At least last year, we we had restaurants and other people calling us up asking for food, and we said sorry, we don't have any left. We were totally sold out. We grew fifteen thousand pounds of vegetables last year, and it, it sold it sold out completely. Wow! Um, and this year we are growing a new farm in addition to all the vegetables that we're growing so over the navy yard right yeah exactly we're opening a forty-five thousand square foot farm at the navy yard so we'll be more than doubling our capacity which is great and is there a waiting list already for those people who want to buy produce we've got a lot of chefs lined up ready to get some food from us we're selling csa shares so people are buying shares right now and they'll get a weekly bag of vegetables all throughout the season Um, what's a csa run a person $540. $540. For the season. And it breaks down to twenty two fifty a week. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. it's a good deal. You end up saving money. And it's great for us as farmers because we get a bunch of money up front this time of year when we're pretty broke because we haven't been selling vegetables oh, since totally. October. Totally. Now, working with chefs, especially in an urban, 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 urban environment like New York, are you planning specific products for them? Or are you saying, yeah. this is what we have... Um, so you are. It's a little of both. We tell them what we've got, and then we also will ask them what they want, and we'll plant seeds for them. Last year, we grew a couple beds of agretti, which is like this kind of funky-looking Italian herb. It's a little bit salty and mm. and maybe a little crunchy. It's kind of succulent. It looks almost like a seaweed or something that's growing up in the air. It's really cool. That's awesome. What is that the weirdest thing that you've planted for chefs? Um... It's weird to me because I had never seen it, but we grow we grow some other random stuff. Well, we grow okra, which is kind of unusual for this. That's a little area. unusual. Is yeah. the climate good for okra? Yeah, it's great. We get a beautiful okra. Crop. I guess I just only associate okra with like the south. But I, I guess know most people do. 
It's wonder, a beautiful plant too. It's like this really tall plant. It gets these big whitish yellow flowers. Right, they get it's about five feet tall, right? Yeah. I love okra. I love okra. It's one of my favorites. You know what? I really don't like okra. Oh, too fried slimy? okra? It's too slimy. Yeah, I love the flavor, and as soon as the sliminess kicks in, I'm just totally grossed out. I wonder if there's a way to like salt it, then remove as much moisture as possible. Just forever slimy. If you figure that out, then I'll give you. Hey, you'll be my first. Invite me over, and I'll, I'll eat okra with you. Snacky tunes on the hunt for the non-slimy okra. <laughs> um, and so, if people want to sign up for the CSA for the Grange or the new, uh, was, is it just called like Brooklyn Grange Two, like T O O? Yeah, it's still Brooklyn Grange. Yeah. It's just we have two farms. It's basically like a farm with two fields. We have two fields now. So, <laughs> but you can't drive the tractor from one field to another. No. We need like a helicopter or something. That'd be awesome. That not be wouldn't be a, the best use of space, but the Brooklyn Grange copter would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, the uh, crop duster. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> That's a free one. Um, all right, so we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about the uh, the new thing, the Hayseeds Big City Farm Supply, which I'm sure is it's opening today, right? It opened or opened on last the fourth week, last Wednesday. I can't wait. I can't wait to go. Maybe I'll start growing tomatoes or something like that. You should. Okay, well, we're going to come back.
So we're here with uh, Gwen Sanch of Brooklyn Grange and also of Hayseeds Big City Farm Supply, which is a new DIY farm it yourself, right? That's right. Uh, no longer just telling people how to do it, but actually giving them the means to do it. So, so talk to us about. Let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about the urban farming movement and about what what what's happened in New York and how it's had played in the scene and, and your involvement in that. Yeah, well, I think most people that live in New York realize at this point that urban farming and gardening have gotten pretty big, and I I get the sense that they're here to stay. It's not just a passing trend. Um, a lot of people have rooftops and backyards and fire escapes and they want to grow food on them um and some people are just doing vegetables but there's also this huge beekeeping movement and chickens and bunnies and all sorts of different ways to like get farmy here in the city what's the legal line like what can you actually do with your space you can do all of that um if you're blocking a fire exit it's a problem so like fire escapes are actually illegal i believe um but a lot of people grow on them anyways. Uh, but rubber. bees are totally legal. Chickens are totally legal. No roosters. Roosters are against the law. Because of the noise? Yep. Yeah. Noise violation. Well, I mean, why would you really want... I guess unless you wanted more chickens. And exactly, unless you want to raise baby chickens. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it does. Um, so the urban farming movement, is it, uh, <laughs> is it young people, old people across the board? You know, is it, uh, is it uh, people who move here with money in their bank accounts from their parents is it poor people like what are we talking about what's the demographic i think it's a big mix i for a while it's been uh kind of liberal arts educated middle class kids that move to new york city and work in artsy or i don't know other professions and right they want to do something trendy and i think now we're seeing more of everybody doing it um so like across ages and races and classes all sorts of new yorkers are growing food and i think a lot of people are realizing it's a good way to supplement your income um you don't have to pay for the food that you grow you can even sell some of the stuff that you grow um especially with beekeeping and honey you can make quite a bit of money off of a beehive on your roof so people are starting to get into it for that reason too right so how does one get into this you know this someone that's interested never really grown anything outside of house plants and i mean what are the startup costs like how how would you begin doing this at home if only there was a store if only there were a place where you could come and buy i think that's what you're getting at right was that pretty thick (laughs) that's pretty thick uh so hayseeds is all about getting you started right yeah exactly and or if you're established already and you need some like nice organic fertilizer or chicken feed you can get it from us basically it's a a three-month pop-up store in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where we're selling all sorts of farm and garden supplies. So we've got tools and shovels and hoses and things like that, but also chicken feed, rabbit feed, beekeeping equipment, beehives. Classes? um, Workshops. Yeah, classes and workshops. We just taught one yesterday, actually. We had a free gardener, beginning gardening workshop, which was really fun. Um, and then we also have all sorts of like soil and soil amendments, fertilizer, et cetera, et cetera. So we pretty much have everything you need. But if you don't have money, you don't really need to buy that much. Um, gardening can be pretty cheap. There isn't a huge barrier to entry. You just need to find some old buckets. And right. the only thing you really need to buy are dirt and seeds. And those can be pretty cheap. Yeah. Cheap as dirt. <laughs> Is that where that phrase comes from? I did, I did not know that. I did not know that. Um, so let's talk about one of your partners, uh, Meg Pasca, or Meg P, as I've known her for forever, who's sort of become one of the leaders. And I would say she's top echelon of uh, homemade everything, bees, chickens, yeah, vegetables, she things is like that. The, she is the Brooklyn homesteader. She she has a blog called Brooklyn, Hopes, Brooklyn Homesteader, and she does it all. She does gardening and... She raises rabbits and chickens and bees, and she's really um, carved a niche for herself in the Brooklyn and New York City urban farming community, and she's great. Um, she's got a lot of energy. I wish she was here today to speak for herself, but I will speak for her and say that she's awesome. She's great. Yes. She's great. The shock of red hair, the overalls. Yeah, she's a redhead. I think she gets her energy from that hair. Yeah, it, 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 it fuels her soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, how did you two meet? Is, is there like a, a, you know, what's the garden at home bee scene like in Brooklyn? Is it pretty inclusive? 
there's a there's a real community. The way I met Meg was actually through Chase Emmons, our beekeeper, who's also involved in uh, the Hayseeds Farm Supply Store. Um, Chase and Meg struck up a relationship around beekeeping. They would go to these like bee meetups, and they're part of this beekeeping community in New York City. And um, that's how I met Meg, and we all got talking about how we wanted to sell farm supplies because it's really expensive sometimes if you want to order specialty farm supplies and garden supplies online the stuff might not be that expensive but getting it shipped here tends to really kill you so we figured if we get it all shipped at once and we get a wholesale price we'll get a good deal for everybody now why are you only open for three months um because it's a pop i mean it's a pop-up um, for various reasons. One, because we didn't want to pay rent for more than three months. <laughs> okay. This is kind of like the peak season for buying farm and garden supplies. If it goes well this year, who knows? Maybe we'll open up again next spring and stay open a little bit longer. But You just got to partner with like a Halloween store and just trade off seasons. That's brilliant. <laughs> that, is that free? That's free. <laughs> that's free. That's free. Um, and so and talk also about, uh, you have a third partner, don't you? Domestic Construction? Who's a design and art production company, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Domestic Construction is a company run by two lovely ladies, the girls, Trish and Maureen. And they basically have this big, beautiful studio in um, Greenpoint. It used to be a garage, and they've turned it into a workshop, and they make all sorts of crazy artsy things in there um, for different production companies, for music videos and commercials and things. And they wanted to have a pop-up in the front of their space because they had the space for it. And we just, it was like kind of this perfect serendipitous coming together of different people who wanted to do the same type of thing. Do you find that you need to live in a community like Brooklyn for this and a Brooklyn Grange, something like that to come together because it's so many like-minded people with resources wanting to have some sort of, if not the exact same goal, but sort of similar ethos and vision? I think you'll see projects like this springing up all over the country i don't think it's specific to brooklyn there's a lot of really creative and active people full of energy and motivation in brooklyn so it's kind of a unique place in that respect but um yeah i think the most important thing to all of these projects that i've been involved with is that i've joined up with really smart um energetic capable skilled people and these teams of people just are capable of creating such such amazing large projects that one person alone would never be able to do so it's all about that teamwork team spirit and do you feel that urban farming has moved way past being a trend and now it's I mean I hate saying trend and movement because it sort of you know makes it a niche type of thing but do you think it's going to become a a, uh, more of a necessity and more of a stable part of culture that's a good question I think Urban farming offers a lot, both in terms of um, the food and the nutritional benefits, but also environmental benefits. Like, it's a great way for New Yorkers to kind of reconnect with nature and do something good for the local environment. Um, I hope that it is here to stay. I know I'm going to be doing it here for a very long time. Um, I have a one-year-old baby, and I definitely want him to grow up in a city full of farms and gardens and bees and chickens so are you making all this baby food from the food you grow i do make baby food from the food i grow what's what's on the menu lots of kale (laughs) that's awesome carrots and all sorts of stuff pureed he's not snapping off yeah i put in the blender that's awesome and so and then i guess uh you know wrapping it up what do you see is the future really of urban farming outside of urban cities do you think it's going to move to the suburbs do you think this is a trend that's going to catch on um beyond just you know rooftops and fire escapes and things like that with people who actually have legitimate backyards do you gonna are you gonna find that movement uh going out there yeah i mean i think that already exists that's how i got into farming and gardening i used to garden in my backyard with my mom when i was a little kid up in massachusetts and i think um as americans get more aware about the food system and they realize that they have to take a little bit more control over the type of food that they're putting in their bodies i think that we'll see a more diverse food supply and lots of small farms small gardens um yeah kind of just a more distributed food system instead of this kind of monolithic centralized thing that we've got going on right now what's the cost i mean what's comparatively you know a bunch of carrots that you grow and sell versus something that you can get in the supermarket it's expensive we uh we basically are 
we're comparable to Union Square Farmer's Market or okay. other organic farms at the farmer's market. So it's definitely much more expensive than what you'd get at, like, Associated or Big Y or whatever your but what supermarket are you is. But you're getting a more more nutritious, cleaner product. You're also not paying into this really distorted food system. The, the cost of our current commercial or conventional food system is just... It's more than we can even quantify right now. So it's much better to throw throw an extra dollar or two at your local farmer instead of sending it to Monsanto or whoever else. Whoever else. All of those big bad guys. Big bad. Are they the bad guys? Well, yes. It's okay. You could say. It. I mean, you, you know, take. You're- I don't want to point fingers. I mean, we're complicit in it too. We all have to take responsibility as individuals and people who eat. So. Yeah. I think we're heading in the right direction, though. A lot of people are getting on board with the whole food movement thing. So, I think once you uh, it gets away from being, and I think it's moved away from being this whole, how do you say, hippie like hipster mm-hmm. thing, and now it's becoming, as you said, like a real part of this. Like this is a necessity if we want to keep eating vegetables and not uh, this pre-processed thing that looks like an apple or something like that. Then we're going to all have to get involved. I think once it moves away from that and starts becoming more of the mainstream, as it has, that's when it's really going to take seed if you will, or root, or any one of those. <laughs> and people will find pay dirt in the green that they grow. And that's it on uh, This Week in Puns. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much uh, for coming by. Uh, what's all the, uh, let's do the uh, nuts and bolts for the Grange and for uh, hayseeds. All right, it's brooklyngrangefarm.com. That's the one-acre rooftop farm, soon to be two acres of rooftop farm. Hayseeds is big city farm supply. And we've also got a... Uh, Kickstarter campaign going on right now. We're creating, on top of all of this other stuff, we're creating New York City's biggest commercial apiary. We're going to have like 30 beehives, millions of bees, thousands of pounds of honey. So if you want to support that project, you can go to kickstarter.com and find the Brooklyn Grange apiary project on there. That's so awesome. Thank I'm so you. excited. Thank you for coming in, hanging out with us. You can stick around. We'll play a few songs, eat some pizza. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And, uh, oh, congratulations on your impending nuptials, if you oh, will. Oh, yeah, I'm getting married. Yeah for me. Yeah for you. <laughs> Are you going to be providing the own produce? Are you going to be like throwing like kale leaves, like bouquet type I of thing? I am. We're going to shut down the farm for a whole weekend so all of my farmers, my farm colleagues can come to the wedding and we're going to buy up as many vegetables as we can for the wedding so that we can offset any costs associated with shutting down the business. Awesome. So uh, a, a wedding drive. <laughs> we have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like the other thing you're growing this summer is love. And we're super excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break, uh, play some music, and then Alex Pasenak is a no-show today. So we'll be kicking it with Travis Hayden, talking about uh, our label, International, what's coming up for you, and, uh, you know, from Brooklyn to Ibiza, right? Love it. Thank you. 
Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef. Pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, free-range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, the authentic flavor of the American West. We are sitting here with the illustrious Travis Hayden, whose hair looks so fantastic after what sounded like a wild weekend out in Williamsburg. Long weekend. What did you see? You saw Lemonade play. I saw Lemonade play on Friday night at 285 Kent. Love it. Stayed there pretty late. And I don't want to talk about the rest. No? You don't want to talk about the rest? Nope. Uh, So let's talk about our label international. You guys have had a, a, a bang up year so far. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know what our label international is, please remind our our illustrious listeners. Well, we are a record label, a boutique record label, a digital distributor, and also a music management company. So we're doing mainly DJs, producers, but you know, also some bands. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, one of those bands is the group that we are a part of, Punches, which we put out our EP, which is selling like hotcakes. Yep. Right. Yep. Plaques everywhere. Plaques everywhere. It just went uh, quadruple platinum. Yes, twice. Twice. So that's octuple platinum, yes. which is great. Which yeah. is great. Which makes us not winning the Mega Millions lottery just so fantastic. It's great. So um, other than that uh, mega hit, what do you have coming up? What's coming out? I know that your boy Gigamesh just played a sold out show at Yotel this weekend. Yeah, um, he's touring quite a bit. Uh, we manage him. We released his last EP. Um, he's going to be releasing on Kitsune in June a new EP worldwide. And so that's coming up. Um, we distributed an Angela McCluskey EP that came out today. Um, oh, that's great. What's, yeah. the, what's, the, what's the story behind that? Uh, it's called Lambeth Palace. Um, she's been working on new tunes for quite a while now. We, we have a bunch, we probably have 40 demos and. Uh, the plan is to release a string of EPs, which will lead into a full length with a collaboration with someone who I cannot announce yet. Really? Yeah. Like that, huh? Uh-huh. Hmm. I'll be back. You'll be back. You'll yeah. be back. We'll bring so, you on for a proper thing. Yeah, so we have that, the Punches EP that just came out. We are distributing the Pop Manifesto, which is a record label. Oh, cool. The Blood Diamonds. Yeah. And Love those guys. Yeah. So there's some releases coming up from that. Um, on our label proper, we have The Narcisse. Love them. Brooklyn Homegrown. Yes. Love those guys. Yeah. I haven't seen him in forever, though. Yeah. Uh, well, Michael Cheever, one half, is in four or five separate projects. Yeah. And he just he produced the Frankie Rose EP. Oh, right. And he's just ripping bass everywhere. Yep. So. Um, and then also we got festival season coming up. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about festival season. So South by Southwest is behind us, which is I always think the kickoff to the 2000 fill in the blank festival season. It is. Um, and we got Coachella, yeah, which is now being spread out over two weekends. Which I think, uh, I mean, they sold out, so I guess it worked out. But I think a lot of people are like still deciding. I heard first weekend is more going to be industry people going out. And- Most of the people I know are going in the first weekend, but. We'll see how it plays out. I don't think you can really tell until no. it's over. And it, I and I foresee a lot of people, you know, going up for the first weekend and that's sticking around. Absolutely, you know, just be like, oh, I'm just going to work out of LA remotely out of my hotel room. And yeah, a lot of people are. And I know a big shout out to uh, Greg, who's out in Palm Springs right now. They have a ton of amazing programming over at the Ace Hotel, which is going to be. I think I think I'd, I'd have more fun hanging out just in Palm Springs in the week in between. Than trying to deal with like the festival and things like that. Uh, it's a beautiful place, sir. It's a beautiful place. A lot of friends. A lot of friends. Friendly friends. Friendly friends. A lot of friends. Uh-huh. And if you find a pair of Ray-Bans in the pool, they're Travis's. Can I have them back, please? Yeah, back. And then you are also making the trip to Spain. I am. I'll be at uh, Primavera this year. And I think I'm going to stick around in, in Europe for a little bit and come back to Barcelona and go to the Sonar Festival, which is a week later. So wait, you're going to go to Barcelona, come home, and then go back? No, I'll go to London or somewhere in between, and then come back for Sonar. Now, what's the difference in those two festivals? Well, they're actually getting closer and closer yeah. in terms of programming. Yeah. I mean, Sonar was 
known for being the techno and underground electronic music festival, while Primavera is more band-focused. But this year, there's a lot of DJ and electronic music programmed into Primavera. And then with Sonar, you have someone like Lana Del Rey playing. Yeah. So, I mean, when you start... I mean, it just all is sort of becoming one sort of just genre of music, which is just sort of back to... I hate to use the word pop, but it really is. You know, when house tracks are now the beats for most rap songs right hip hop songs it's you know you sort of just right start I mean, this I, I'm not opposed to it I don't think there's any reason why underground techno shouldn't be able to exist with Lana Del Rey no you know, in, in terms of a festival of billing you no. know it just opens it up there's more access to new music for more people and that's fine I mean how well Lana Del Rey will be received at Sonar I can't tell you that but for the people that she attracts, it's nice that they'll be exposed to music that they probably haven't heard before and probably won't. I mean, I wish that would have happened to me when I was 12 or 13. Yeah, I mean, I felt like, you know, I would just go to the Warp Tour and it was just 20 of the same bands. Right. Maybe one, you know, had horns for a ska beat, <laughs> you know. Do you like ska? I used to. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, that's where I found love with dance music. Yeah. It was the first dance music I really liked. Yeah. If I, or I guess maybe like swing music when I was 13 I heard like Benny Goodman or something like that right right um, I would say my biggest advice for anyone who's going to the festival circuit because Europe like you, you know the lineup is sort of they just move sort of like in this like uh, like west east clockwise sort of loop it's just sort of pick where you want a vacation and then just find if you want to go to a festival find out when the festival is and go there at that time because you can sort of see all the same headlining acts at all the festivals in Europe yeah, for the most part, I mean, no one's too exclusive to any one festival. They are the festivals that do really get the, uh, you know, less than normal, like, touring festival headliners, like Glastonbury. Yeah. You know, they had, what, Beyonce? Yeah. For a headliner? Which is, I mean, I'd, say, I'd awesome. see Beyonce. I'd totally see Beyonce. I'd love to see Beyonce. It'd be so great to go to a festival and see something like that. I agree. Yeah, so... Well, anyway, I think that's it for the show. I think we'll wrap it up. Yeah, let's go back to work. It's a beautiful day. Uh, super excited. Shout out to Greg. Again, shout out to Chris and Julia for their lovely wedding. Uh, we are uh, here next week with Mitchell Davis, uh, who is going to be um, talking about the James Beard Awards, and John Norris. And Travis Hayden will be back as our co-host. Um, but I, I feel like I should never announce our next week guest because I feel like that jinx it, and then this thing is podcast for forever, and I just, you know... That'll be fun. It'll make it fine.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Snacky tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.